0: Three, two, one, zero. zero, zero. From the studios of W O R Q in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up for the Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Got a brand new podcast for our radio listeners, online listeners, Q90FM.com slash listen, and also our free mobile app, Q90FM.com slash app for those stores to our link to the stores. It is Thursday, September 14th. Mary Danielson back at the microphone.
1: Yes, good morning. Uh, September is nearly half over. Amazing. But whatever date it is, it's another day to love and serve our Creator and one another. We are going to have some complete thoughts this morning with guest Jason Jimenez of Stand Strong Ministries. But first, our scripture reading, and then we're going to look to the Lord in prayer before we get started. Psalm 99, 1 through 5. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He dwells between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king's strength also loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. I want you to pray with me this morning. Lord, thank you for revealing yourself to us in your word so we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you that you never change and for the great gift of faith that opens our eyes to your immutable truths. We give our lives to you today, afresh and new, and ask that you continue to strengthen us for our individual journeys. You are holy, Lord God, and you alone have established justice and equity and every good thing. We pray for Jason and his ministry, for continued wisdom and, and direction, and that there'd be much fruit for the kingdom to the things that he writes and speaks on uh, for the sake of the body of Christ. Protect him, keep him and his loved ones safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Jason Jimenez is the founder and president of Stand Strong Ministries. He's a best-selling author and national speaker specializing in biblical worldview training, family ministry, and church leadership. His new book, Hij- Hijacking Jesus, How Progressive... Christians are remaking him and taking over his church. StandStrongMinistries.org Also his podcast, Stand Strong in the Word. You can find that on podcast apps. And if you go to StandStrongMinistries.org, there are all kinds of videos and articles, some great resources. But progressive Christianity is our subject today. The who, what, why, and how. uh, It is sabotaging the true faith once for all, delivered to the saints, Jason, how's what's going on in the church, and what made you write this particular book right now?
0: Well, Mary, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. But yeah, I mean, the, the purpose of me writing this book is because I love Jesus, hmm. you know, because He first loved me. And when you encounter Jesus uh, through the Scriptures, and when you confess Him as Lord and Savior, and He comes into your life, and you're in dwelt with the Holy Spirit, and you believe that Jesus was fully God, that he came into this world, God in the flesh, that he was virgin born and performed miracles, and he died on the cross for our sins, and on the third day, he wasn't defeated, but he rose physically, literally, and bodily, and he said that one day he will come back for us, that we believe in the second coming. Now, when we hold to those truths, those doctrines, that is built on the person of Jesus, and yet... In my discovery and in my travels and working in the apologetic space, defending the faith and helping churches know who Jesus is and to know Christianity more uh, efficiently, you start finding out that there are people who are using the same terminology, not Mormons, not Jehovah's Witnesses, but people that are in Bible-believing churches for the most part who start buying into a lie about Jesus and they start rejecting those doctrinal truths and yet still at the same time saying, oh, no, no, no. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I don't believe in those things about Jesus, I am still a Christian because what I'm doing actually is I'm actually modernizing Jesus for the 21st century. I'm actually clearing, clearing away all of the rigidity, all of the lies and the distortions that traditional Christians have put on Jesus. And what I'm doing is I'm stripping him and I'm making him more uh, palatable for our culture. And the more I was seeing that, Mary, and realizing that the majority view and opinion that people have about Jesus does not align to Scripture, I immediately felt from the Lord, I have to do something about this. Mm -hmm. And over the last few years, we started to develop what is now hijacking Jesus and partnered with Salem to be able to boldly put out what is happening and exposing this hijacking the way that we did in the book.
1: Wow. And yes, it is presented as a bit of a kinder, gentler, a little more inquisitive faith, maybe for those who don't like to be bothered with dogma. And isn't it more inclusive? I mean, there's something, you know, you gave the gospel when right out of the gate here, which is wonderful. But then I thought, but there's a social gospel. And the word gospel doesn't need any adjectives, right? I mean, that's, the gospel is the gospel, but what's going on here is adding all kinds of qualifiers. Now, what what would motivate people? The gospel is the most incredible news uh, in the history of the universe. What would motivate uh, this? Why is it a, you call it a conspiracy? What is the motivation behind this sort of thing?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's important, too. Like, in the discussion with a lot of people, um, because that's my passion. My passion is when, you, when you're sitting with people, families, and talking with pastors or or parents, and there's confusion, right? Inevitably, when there's confusion there, people don't know what to do, or they don't know how to explain Mm -hmm. something, or they can't articulate something. Well, inevitably, either they're not going to do anything because of the confusion, or the confusion can lead them to do the wrong thing out of ignorance. And I really want to help people there, Mary. And so when you start looking into the progressive Christian model of rejecting the gospel, it's not out of ignorance. I believe mm-hmm. it's a demonic attack. Mm-hmm. They hate they hate God
2: mm-hmm. and they
0: want to make him in their own image and this is clearly what we see in Romans chapter 1. Now let me just say out of respect to some of my progressive Christian friends not all of them, okay, have that type of agenda uh, because progressive christianity though the umbrella that ideological movement of progressive christianity has been with us for quite some time. There's always been a conspiracy, again, to undermine the authority of the Bible to stay that truth uh, absolutely or objectively is a, dogma- a dogmatic phrase or ideology, and so they reject truth. Even though progressive Christianity believes that, that doesn't mean that all progressive Christians do. So they're, they're in this realm of progressive Christianity, when you talk to somebody who maybe identifies, they may not have a conspiracy to uh undermine everything about the gospel or mm-hmm. everything that's in the pages of scripture but the most uh, I would say most of the progressive Christians that I have talked to have fallen into this conspiracy though mm-hmm. um, to you know to revolutionize Jesus more into a you know mystical figure mm-hmm. or he was uh, woke and all inclusive or he was a socialist right mm-hmm. that becomes more appealing and that was brought and in, 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 introduced To us by a lot of the prominent liberal scholars in Germany uh, hundreds of years ago. Matter of fact, I even talked about this in part one of the book, this was a lot of the stuff that the early church was facing when they were facing issues of, like, Gnosticism that was running contrary Mm -hmm. to Jesus being fully God and fully man. So this is nothing new under the sun. It just has new titles, new faces, Mm -hmm. new figures, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. some different elaborative or attempt to elaborate on theology in a new uh, light, uh, but it's still nothing new.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, you say in the book that you gave lectures about this material as you were going through the process of writing this book. And you were a bit surprised at some of the responses of people who didn't seem to even know that this thread existed. And I, I want to ask you about, uh, sort of a demographic question here. Um, were there, was it a mixed audience? Like, older people, I think, maybe are less likely to embrace this, but we had the emerging church all through the early ooze, late 90s, and it seemed to me, I mean, emergence theology is actually an entire study on what it means to emerge. You know, God is emerging. No, no, his nature is uh, given to us and revealed in the scriptures. But do you feel that possibly the um, deconstructing of Christianity really began in earnest with this emergent church and the various um, proponents like Brian McLaren, etc.? What, what do you think about the demographic here?
0: Yeah, I mean, so going back to that first phase of the question, and I appreciate it, because it's. It, this is really where what was breaking my heart, and it was causing me to really, when I would leave uh, events, um, you know, obviously you're exhausted at times because of just the, the need of ministry, um, but what I felt was this oppression at the same time, because it didn't matter the age.
2: Mm.
0: Um, now, obviously, mm. there would be, be conflict within a married couple. I'll never forget a story where a woman after I got done teaching on portions of Hijacking Jesus before the book, you know, was out, and I was writing it. And she brought her Kindle uh over to me and showed me a cover of a book that her son had introduced her to, and it was about the atonement. And uh she says, hey, this has just been so beautifully, you know, uh, done, and and it just has impacted me and my son, drawn us closer, and, and Jesus and all that kind of stuff. She's like, I was wondering if you ever heard of it. And it was, so, it was so ironic, because I had just read that book not, not long ago, and it was a part of a chapter on atonement that I have, you know, because they hijacked Jesus' as atonement. Because most mm-hmm. progressive Christians do not believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Mm-hmm. They believe he, it was sacrificial, but it wasn't a sacrifice like the Lamb of God who takes away mm-hmm. the sins of the world. So they reject that wholeheartedly. Wow. And this is what the author was actually teaching, and yet the woman didn't even, she didn't even know that. She didn't even put mm-hmm. two to two together. Mm-hmm. And her husband was kind of clueless as well, and I and I said, "Hey, I, I will sit with you and I'll help." And I spent like a good half hour with them, showing them why this is bad doctrine. Now, their son clearly was a progressive Christian, and they just thought that he was bringing more of a, a nuanced or more friendly, accepting Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus loves all people, and so that's what they were accepting as well. And so that was again that was a that was an older couple, and that's one of many examples. Uh, so if, if you look at uh, most of the leaders today who are progressive Christians who are teaching that Jesus was woke or he was a socialist, they are older individuals. They are people who are progressive Jesus scholars in the universities. Uh-huh. They're leading uh, churches. They're in their forties, fifties, sixties. You know, of course, the Spungs of the world before Brian McLaren and Marcus Borg to you know Robin Myers to Dave and Caden. All of these are prominent figures that have written extensively that are impacting the next generation, and that's the point of it. This hijacking has been taking place from a previous generation. Matter of fact, you can go back to the Age of Enlightenment, to liberal Protestantism, to Mm -hmm. the liberation theology, all the way to the gay gospel that has really ushered into the 2000s. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, that was happening, Mary. Progressive Christianity started to have its own following that was breaking away uh, from the main lines, was breaking away from a lot of the conservative establishments, right, like Dr. Peter Eames. You know, he's well into his 60s, a prominent scholar. He used to be very conservative in presenting a lot of the evidence for the Bible and Jesus and defending Christianity, and then he went very progressive. Um, and so so these are older guards who have now influenced people like Richard Rohr, mm. Is a very prominent Franciscan priest who wrote The Universal Christ and many other books. And he takes a more of a mystical approach within progressive Christianity, but he impacts a lot of the millennials and Gen Zers. And so this is across the board. This um, is this is not just a younger generation that are progressive. You have a lot of people for decades who are claiming to know Jesus as their Savior, but then they have slowly but surely started to believe in these lies and elevate within their own human experience who Jesus is to them, and they've broken away from the Bible altogether.
1: Wow. Well and well, you know it really is a different Jesus right and sometimes when i share with someone who's into false teaching i might say you know here's my concern you i think you have the wrong Jesus and i never have any had anyone uh, have any other response except their eyes glaze over and they look at me like what what are you talking about how can you have the wrong Jesus well there's the Jesus of the bible um and then there's these movements how you know Jesus said who do you say that i am and we each have to come to that point but how, how would you, uh, Jason, talk to someone when, if you were to say to them, you have the wrong Jesus, how, what does that actually mean and how can we get people to understand that just because you name the name of Jesus, it's not the revealed Jesus of the scriptures?
0: So, I mean, obviously in the book we go in far more detail, but to help people listening right now, because uh, a, that's a very pointed question, and, and we need to really turn to that person as you did, Mary, and say, um, well, when you say you believe in Jesus, what do you mean by Jesus? Mm-hmm. And what we need to do is, and this is what I, this is why I did this specifically. One is showing the conspiracy, so you're not fooled by it. You can actually see this new theology on the block. I call it right <laughs> progressive Christianity. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Um. You know, kind of dating my time, but but also in part two is to say, okay, let's look at these six attacks. So when you're having a conversation with somebody. And in the process, you say, okay, can I ask you a more specific question now? Do you believe, for example, because they say, well, what do you mean? I believe that Jesus was a great moralistic teacher. I love the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, He loved all people, love your enemies, turn the other cheek, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And you're like, yeah, I believe that Jesus taught some of that, the way in which you presented, but I think it's being taken out of context. But let me ask you a more specific question. For example, do you believe that Jesus is fully God? Do you believe that God came into the flesh at one point in history? particularly, more specifically, in the first century during the Roman era, um, and see what they say. Number two, you know, taking a step further, do you believe that Jesus was virgin-born, that he was, that he was in, that Mary was impregnated divinely by the Holy Spirit? And then you can ask him, do you believe that Jesus actually performed miracles? Miracles are a special act of God. Do you believe that occurred, mm-hmm. that, that he healed the sick, that he cast out demons, he raised people from the dead? Do you believe that he fulfilled prophecy? Do you believe that when Jesus died on the cross, because most progressive Christians believe that, yes, Jesus lived. They believe that he died on the cross. But the question is, is why? For what purposes, for what reasons did he die on the cross? And then and then, secondly, what are the effects? Meaning, what do we gain from the death of Jesus Christ in uh, exploring not just the forgiveness of sins, but taking on the wrath of God and defeating the cosmic powers, as we're told in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12? And then the final two questions you ask is, do you believe that Jesus, if you believe he physically died on the cross, do you believe he physically, literally, and bodily rose from the dead? And you think, well, why are you so specific, Jason? Because progressive Christians believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The difference is, and it's a huge one, they believe it metaphorically. They mm. believe it spiritually, meaning, yes, um, in the sense that he lives on in the lives of the disciples, mm. but he died and he did not physically, literally rise from the dead he lives on as a resurrection in a sense because the the disciples believe or carry on his legacy. So they wow. call that a resurrection. Wow. Uh, and then the second coming, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. there most uh, that I've never met a progressive Christian who believes in the second coming of Jesus, who will literally physically reign on earth and wow. restore all things to its original state. So notice what we did. We posed mm-hmm. specific questions, mm-hmm that are the that that are the centerpiece of who Jesus Christ is if you deny any one of those doctrines Mary as you know mm-hmm. you are not a christian you mm-hmm. cannot reject his divinity virgin birth miracles atonement resurrection second coming and claim to be a christian
1: wow Wow, what a great checklist that is. And I, I, in your book, and again, it's hijacking Jesus, how progressive Christians are remaking him and taking over his church. Uh, you're listening to Stand Up for the Truth. My name is Mary Danielson. We're with Jason Jimenez today. And, uh, I love the way the book is laid out. There's a great flow to it. The part one that, which we already covered was the conspiracy. Conspiratorial Rise of Progressive Christianity. And then you're talking about part two, six attacks against Jesus. And then we'll get to, I think, in the second half, probably uh, part three, three reinvented images of Jesus. But I'd like to go back a little bit, Jason, if it's okay, and, and go through yeah. each of these because I don't know if people, um, I, I want them to understand this checklist. I think this is just a really great idea. Now, hijacking is divinity, as I thought each one of these through. Um, as I was reading, I thought of Colossians one fifteen to 17. He's the image sure. of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. What's the question, Jason? You know, <laughs> I read this even though maybe they don't um, care about Colossians, but I do, and this would be my answer to hijacking his divinity, because you can't just say that about a man, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's well said. And that's, see, but that's the point. The point is, in one sense, you have progressive Christians who, again, have hijacked the text, mm-hmm. okay? So they immediately take a metaphorical approach to the Bible. Um, uh, most progressive Christians, by far, okay, the vast majority of them, believe the Bible has been corrupted that it actually was hijacked by people like Paul, the Apostle. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, they will say to me, and they have to my face, no, you guys are the hijackers. We're actually trying to save Jesus from traditional Christianity. Um, you know, Jesus never claimed to be God. Jesus never um, claimed to forgive us of all our sins and say that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And so they take John 14, 6 and say he's a pathway Um, He is the absolute consciousness of of God. He was a manifestation of the presence of God. So you guys are taking such a literary, binary view of heaven and hell kind of approach that Jesus never meant. So again, they take because they take a metaphorical. So if that's the case, and I say, okay, you're not a progressive Christian. You're specifically, and you're more exactly a metaphorical Christian, right? Because wow. you're not a literal Christian because you deny the literal mm-hmm. teachings of Jesus.
2: Mm.
0: But so, but with that, the other category we have is we have Christians who profess to know Christ as Savior, but they don't know the Bible. They don't spend time yeah. in God's Word. So what I do in the book is I lay out four areas in these six attacks: historical, biblical, theological, and spiritual. And it's a way to help people not only understand the approach in which the progressive comes in those four categories, but more importantly, Mary to help the Christian know the historical inquiry, the 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 biblical explanation, the theological arguments, and the spiritual results that come by affirming the divinity, virgin birth, miracles, atonement, resurrection, and second coming of Jesus. So, one thing as you just clear, you, you you cleared up in Colossians too. Yes. Throughout Scripture, there is without doubt, when you look at the claims of Christ, receiving worship, when you actually look at John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was uh, was with God, and the Word was God, pointing to the pre existence of Jesus to where you see from the beginning of the Gospel of John to the very end with Thomas saying, my Lord and my God. Again, what we see there is we see a connection of the nature of who Jesus Christ is. He wasn't just... Uh, a spiritual leader. He wasn't an insurrectionist. He wasn't just a a person who taught a morality. He is God in the flesh. Mm. And so when you see that laid out throughout Scripture, to Philippians chapter 2, 6 through 11, and you see the kenosis, you see that Jesus is fully God in the flesh. I mean, over and over again, I lay this whole thing out. I teach people what these terminologies mean in Scripture. When we see them in English, what is the word form or what does the word nature mean? And I show in the Greek the the, the the terminology is being used is this intrinsic essential form or attribute of God. What that means is that when when Paul was taking through the gospel accounts and seeing how the gospels uh, were affirming him as God, you also see that in the early church with the epistles of Paul. All the way through, from day one, they were affirming and proclaiming him as God. If you go to the early creed in First Corinthians fifteen verses, always from three to five, that early creed that talks about the gospel of Jesus, right, who died on the cross for our sins according to the scriptures, that points back to the Hebrew scriptures, right. Mm-hmm. Knowing going back to John ten when Jesus said, "I and the Father are one," or John eight fifty eight before Abraham was, I am. He's pointing back to the self existence of God, and we know in Isaiah forty four verse six, there is none his equal. What was Jesus doing? What were the Gospels pointing out? Mm-hmm. What were they showing? That He was fulfilling Scripture because He is God. So, this 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 act that progressive Christians try to make—and we shouldn't be intimidated by this—they right. have no claim to the Scriptures to refute that Jesus claimed and affirmed and was worshipped as God. It is all over the pages of Scripture, and that's what I lay out in the book.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow, it almost just sounds like they're just a bunch of Gnostics and, and, uh, really, because Paul and John and Jude all dealt with Gnosticism in their day and, and it's, it's as old as, as other Gospels actually, but, uh, that's, that's a fantastic description of things that we can, we can look to, um, the things that you're saying about hijacking his divinity. Um, I want to go to the next one too, hijacking his virgin birth, and we might just get a couple more in before we, uh, have to take a break. Um, why is it critical that there be a virgin birth?
0: Yeah, so what you just said, and I like what you said, Mary, because what people need to understand is that the heart of progressive Christianity and what progressive Christians promote is the Gnostic writings, yeah. right? This is the Gospel of Thomas and uh, Judas and Philip, you know, and all these are way removed from the canonical Gospels of mm-hmm. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm-hmm. These have esoteric teachings. Um, they believe in a dualistic, platonic view of, of good and evil, um And matter is evil, therefore God, the Spirit, which is not a view of God that we believe, could not take on flesh, so they reject all of that. And so this idea, specifically gnostically, for God to come into the flesh, they immediately deny it, and not only that, but they reinvent these stories that Mary was not impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And when I say this is not like Mormonism when you know uh, you know Elohim takes on flesh and has sex with Mary. But there are a lot of progressive Christians, and this comes from a false teacher named Celsus. They believe that um, Pantera, who was a Roman soldier, again, there's no evidence to back this up, was more than likely uh, the one who uh, had sex outside of marriage uh, with Mary impregnated her, and she had Jesus. And over time, um, the disciples had to cover that up, that scandal, okay, <laughs> Wow. Um, and so, and then, so when they say that the, the early followers then apply to virgin birth, they said that was like people like Robin Myers, I believe, according to, um, saving Jesus from the church who comes from the Jesus seminar. That tells you a lot. Oh yeah. Right. Um, yeah. That, that, uh, they, they just to deify Jesus, to make him more special. It was very, it was very common in that day in paganism. And, and of course with Caesars that they were virgin born, that they had a miraculous birth. Hmm. Now that's all a lie. The reason why this is so important is because, again, Jesus is not normal in the sense of him coming into the world. The reason why this is so significant is because Jesus didn't come into the world through sexual, sexual relationships. He was not defiled in that way. Mm-hmm. Not saying he's a hybrid does not mean he's a half God, half man, because we believe he's fully God and fully man. Mm-hmm. And for that not to be true, then that completely, the, the on, on the face of it, immediately Disregards Jesus with two natures, being fully mm-hmm. human, being the second Adam to atone for our sins, to live a perfect life because Adam, the first Adam, uh, failed. That if it wasn't if he wasn't virgin born, then he's not the second Adam. Then he's not the then he cannot atone for for the sins of mankind. If, if he was not virgin born, then he's not fully God. He would have came into a defiled world through a sexual relationship that would defiled him even within his bloodline. Mm-hmm. So this is why the virgin birth is not a metaphorical thing. This is a, a foundational piece that is built in Scripture of God taking on flesh that we know the doctrine is called the Incarnation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really are hijacking uh Jesus what a, it, you know the more we talk here the more I I see why the the title of the book uh and among your six attacks against Jesus again these are this is a very important list if if someone has the wrong Jesus you can give them this list and say what do you believe about this and that the next one uh Jason is hijacking his miracles wasn't there some sort of teaching at the time that miracles were a common thing but I guess I don't really understand that so we have to define what what is a true miracle Um, And how how are people able to hijack that within the progressive church?
0: Yeah, the reason why this is so foundational, Mary, in Christianity, because if you strip Jesus of his his divine power, his supernatural power, um, then he didn't fulfill a prophecy. Mm. He didn't heal anybody. He was not advancing Mm. the kingdom while he was on earth. Uh, The resurrection is a miracle. Go back to the virgin birth. That's a miracle. If you strip him of all that, then you strip him of his divinity. Right. Yes. And so miracles are so foundational, and so, of course, I, I, I show where this anti—and I don't want to alarm people with this big term, but it's called anti-supernaturalism. And essentially what that is, is, again, it's against any supernatural activity in the Bible, and that's at the heart of progressive Christianity. This is going back to liberal scholars like Rudolf Bultmann, uh that people are familiar, that are listening to the Jesus Quests, A lot of, the, as I said, I alluded to earlier, the German— Scholarship of the day. They attacked the Bible. And this came from a guy named Richard Simon, who became the father of modern biblical criticism. He so, said, well, what does that mean? What it means was in the academic space, after the period of enlightenment and rationalism, there was this movement that started to take place in the university space. And it was to undermine the authority and spiritual movement of the Bible. And they wanted to discredit it. And one way they started to discredit it is saying, look, we know that miracles are a violation of the laws of physics, which is false. And therefore, we are people of reason. But this is a spiritual religious book. So let's separate and and privatize it. And then not only that, but it was an attack on the Bible. and says not only do we not believe in the Bible because that's miracles, which miracles we know don't exist Mm because there's no God. (laughs) But it's filled with corruption. And these are Uneducated people; they were just religious fanatics. What do they know? Yeah, right? they weren't people of science. Wow. And when you do that, and then progressive Christians, they take a lead on that. And again, it goes back to why? Why would they, Why do they have to supernaturalize the Bible and Jesus? Because if you strip him of his power, then you become the one who has the power.
1: Jason, I got to interrupt, and I hate to interrupt you, but we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about these attacks against Jesus from the progressive perspective the book uh, hijacking jesus how progressive christians are remaking him and taking over his church by jason Jimenez and a some stand uh, so we're going to be back shortly i hope you stay with us uh, more to come on this episode of stand up for the truth be right back
0: Feedback, questions, and topic
1: suggestions are always appreciated. Email us at comments at Welcome back to Stand Up for, for the Truth. Today, we're talking to Jason Jimenez. Um, his book is Hijacking Jesus: How Progressive Christians Are Remaking Him and Taking Over His Church. And I just wanted to mention something before we get to uh, a caller at a question in the first half, and we do want to get to that. But I want to mention something. Uh, Revelation three fourteen to twenty two, we are introduced to the last days church of Laodicea. It's a lukewarm, self serving, self serving congregation that seems to have the most to lose by ignoring God's instructions, but. It's what that name means, Laodicea, that is so profound to me. And it's a deep level of apostasy, a coming marriage of religion and politics that will blend in seamlessly with the agenda of the false Messiah or the Antichrist. Now, Laodicea means justice of the people. That is just amazing to me because it seems to me that God already knew all these things. Of course, he did. I'm tongue-in-cheek slightly here. Uh, it's the social justice gospel that threatens to overtake the professing church. And, Jason, we are in the middle of it, the Church of Wokeness. um, They're asleep in the light, I guess. Uh, but we had a great question from uh, a caller as we talked about the six attacks against Jesus. And we talked about the context originally was, you know, how can we explain to people if they're in a cult or a false teaching that they have the wrong Jesus? Yes, that is definitely a thing. And we have these six things here. It has to do with his divinity, his virgin birth, his miracles, atonement, his resurrection, and the second coming. And the question was from the caller, you know, does this mean if a person doesn't believe or understand these things that they're not a Christian, um, uh, if they're a baby Christian and they don't understand these things? Jason, how can we respond to this person um, who feels that they may not or they may know someone who does not understand these six things?
0: Yeah. Well, that's a great question for clarification, mm-hmm. because obviously in the context of my book, I'm addressing people who outright reject those doctrinal truths. So they've, okay. they've looked at them, and they've rejected them and says, I don't believe that, and I don't believe you need to believe that to be a Christian. So there's that context, mm-hmm. and that goes back to Second Peter chapter 2, when you have false prophets who are among us. And the Bible says they're false teachers. Peter revealed that they're secretly bringing in. So notice their intention. Mm. There's an agenda. There isn't a hijacking. They're secretly bringing in. Notice he says destructive heresies. Oh. And then it says in verse one, even denying the master who bought them. Okay. Oh. So they're denying the person of Jesus. So that's a hijacking there. Now, in context of somebody, yes, who's a baby Christian, and we see this uh, terminology used in 1 Corinthians 3 and Hebrews chapter 5. So they're immature in their knowledge and understanding. Uh, as a pastor, you know there's been a lot of people who've come to Christ and, and they've taken discipleship classes with me, and countless times are like, "Wait, Virgin Birth? Like, what is that?" Mm-hmm. Right? That doesn't mean that they were never a Christian. Doesn't mean like, you have to give them a litmus test and say if you're going to put if you're going to put your faith and trust in mm-hmm. Jesus, you have to affirm these things and this is what they are. And they're like, "Okay, do you believe these things?" And then they say yes, and then they're going to be baptized. No, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Yes, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. So, like even even my friend and and the world renowned classic apologist Dr. Bill Craig, he gives an example in his in his book On Guard, and even in Reasonable Faith. When he became a Christian, um, he didn't fully affirm and believe and understand the virgin birth. For example, mm-hmm. he couldn't fully explain the atonement. Uh, for example, he wasn't even sure about what the second coming was. But over time, as he learned these things in Scripture and was discipled, then it became more clear as he grew in his faith. And so that's the difference.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, where
0: somebody, again, is in ignorance. They just don't right. know. Right. They haven't been taught or trained. So that's right. that's the distinction I would make.
1: Right. And, you know, just because you're, you're born again doesn't mean all of a sudden you're going to know these things. Just like a human baby, when they're born, they don't know anything. You know, they're just looking for milk. And, and I just think that... Uh, That really underscores the importance of having a good church where they teach through the Bible because if you're going to be born again and now you're going to be, uh, find or get into a church or through whatever reasoning that doesn't even teach the Bible, the the growth will be stunted. I mean, you won't you won't ever understand these things, but you have to start with the milk of the Word, and then you move on to the meatier things. and And we're not saved by what we know, right? Because, boy, if that were true, I would I would really be in trouble. I had a history. Well, of... Well, yeah, and, we'll and go ahead. Your point
0: too. Yeah, First yeah, Corinthians two. This is the illumination of the Holy Spirit. So as mm-hmm. a Christian grows, as a Christian grows in their faith and their understanding of that faith. Like the historic Christian faith, when you have the Holy Spirit indwells you, and we are told to be empowered by the Holy Spirit who illuminates us and guides us, convicts us, as a true follower of Jesus Christ, you're not going to restrict and reject the teaching of the Holy Spirit in you. Remember, Jesus says, I must go for the helper, the Parakletos, the comfort to come, to teach you all things and to recall that which I taught you. So the difference with a false prophet, in this case, these progressive Christians, is again, they are secretly bringing in destructive heresies, meaning they are outright rejecting that which is Christianity. As Titus chapter 1 even calls it, they say, they, they profess to know God, but by their works they deny Him. Mm. So that is, and in Romans 1, they suppress the truth, so even though they know Ooh. it to be true... They still suppress it, meaning that literally the idea in Greek is they sit on it. They, they prevent it from shining, from being taught. Wow. Um, So that's the difference between a new believer who, when the Holy Spirit teaches them these doctrines, they're gonna, they're gonna receive it wholeheartedly, Mm uh, rather than reject it.
1: Yeah. So much mischief going on in the church, Jason. I can't believe it. I think we left off on the six attacks against Jesus. Just to yeah. recap here, hijacking, they hijack his divinity, they hijack his virgin birth, they hijack his miracles. What about the atonement? I'm thinking, I think of Brian McLaren. Um, he wrote a book, I think it was called A New Kind of Christian. Uh, he mm-hmm. called the atonement cosmic child abuse. Wow. What do we know that Brian McLaren clearly does not?
0: Well, exactly. I have to say, this was in all the chapters, um, the most difficult one mm. for, for many reasons. One, as you just alluded to, reading, I mean, literally almost hundred books by the time I got finished. I believe it. Not including, yeah, not including podcasts and YouTubes oh. and that sort of, and even interviewing, uh, progressive Christians. And, and most of them did not want to be cited in the book. And I respect that. So, mm. so, um, confidentially, you know, I just picked their brain and they're very helpful and they're very respectful. Um, but when it comes to the atonement, yes, the vast majority of progressive Christians think it is the most despicable, horrific doctrine that traditional Christians believe in. But this is so foundational um, because it, without the atonement, again, we, there is no redemption. Yeah. And the thing for us as Christians to understand is that when you when you look at the the, the biblical explanations of of uh, biblical uh, view of atonement. It is very deep. It, this isn't just about Jesus coming into the world to forgive us of our sins. You know, again, he was identified by the prophet himself, the great herald John the Baptist, as the Lamb of God. Mm. Well, why is that so important? Because it goes back to what the Lamb represented in the Old Testament. It was the Lamb on the Day of Atonement that would forgive people their sins, right? Mm-hmm. And also as a nation, and that was a foreshadowing of Jesus to come. Not only that, but he is the good shepherd. And he says the good shepherd lays down his life mm-hmm. for the sheep, John ten eleven. Mm-hmm. And so when you start exploring the terminology that's used in atonement, again, the progressive Christian think it's cruel, it's barbaric, like you said, um, it's despicable. Uh, they believe that we think that Jesus being the Lamb of God is some kind of magical scapegoat mm-hmm. uh, that they reject. And you think, why do they keep rejecting this? Because you you said earlier, uh, Mary, that uh, it's a beautiful message, the gospel, right? But at the same time, you know, when you talk about there's life, there's death. Yeah. And there's an ultimatum. Well, the reason they reject it is because they do not believe in original sin. The vast majority of progressive Christians—the reason I say vast majority, because there are some progressive Christians— um, who take a different perspective. They believe that Adam and Eve existed. They believe in original sin, but they just have a different view of of atonement through Jesus as our substitutionary atonement. But what i what I uh, argue respectfully back to progressive Christians is when you look at atonement, we're talking about, yes, Jesus was our substitute. We could not pay back uh, the fallen nature that we're in. We we, we, we we cannot negotiate with God because of our fall, fallen right. state. Yeah. Uh, the word redemption, You know, that means we were bought back. So when Jesus atoned for our sins, he bought us back from slavery. That's the concept. Mm -hmm. We've been delivered from bondage. Um, It also carries the idea, and I talk about this in the book, reconciliation, Mm -hmm. that we have been restored. We have been made new to him. We've been declared righteous. Righteous. And then the other term, when we use atonement, again, this is a little bit more of a theological term, but it's propitiation. Yes. And what that means, it was the the very act of Jesus Christ being that sacrifice, being that offering that satisfied the demands of a holy God. And Mm -hmm. in that moment, when Jesus says, I give up my spirit, our sins— were released, they were sent away, they were forgiven because of the rich sacrifice of Jesus and that grace that was displayed hmm. on display, I should say, on the cross.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, I use that with those five terms, Mary, because yes, and I talked to Elisa Childers about this, we've engaged a lot of progressive Christians, and they're like, I believe in the atonement of Jesus, I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And And, and again, Surface level, we're like, "Oh, cool." Well, then you are a Christian. You 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 do have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But again, with progressive Christians, you have to ask specific questions. Yeah. When you mean that He saved you from your sins, mm. what does that mean? And and again, the majority of these progressive Christians do not believe in the theological understanding of atonement biblically with substitution, redemption, reconciliation, propitiation, and forgiveness.
1: Yeah, someone here in the studio reminded me of William Paul Young of the Shack. Uh, talk about, you know, giving oneself over to fables and nonsense like that. And he he turned out to be a universalist. But one of the quotes in the shack is, Believe in Christ or spend eternity, and hell isn't good news, it's a threat. Um, so talk about your pop culture nonsense. That was the shack in general. But, you know, it's just been it's been going on it's been growing it's been it's been growing more than i ever uh imagined uh also um the next one uh jason attacking hijacking, hijacking his resurrection i mean right away, I'm thinking, well, if Christ is still in the grave, first corinthians fifteen seventeen we are still in our sins, and why would we believe if Christ is still in the grave and yet they don't understand why there even has to be a resurrection, and we know paul has a as as many great, great verses on the importance of the resurrection. But uh, why would we still believe, uh, Jason, if there's no resurrection?
0: Yeah, so this is where, like, um, you know, progressive Christians, um, and it, it, again, like, you go back to people like Albert Schweitzer. I mean, these are classic German scholars who um, did not believe, again, they, they desupernaturalized the Bible. So any occurrence of a supernatural event, they discredit. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. Right. So that was just folklore. That was just these uneducated uh, peasants who interpreted or to try to magnify or try to deify Jesus mm-hmm. into something more than he really was. So when it clearly when it comes to the resurrection and, and, uh, and, and you know, the thing I find so ironic, um, Mary, is that a lot of progressive Christians love Bart Ehrman, who is not even a religious, spiritual individual at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's he's an he's an atheist. Right. Um, And they they love the New Testament scholar, Bart Ehrman. And in his makeup and his interpretation, he's written extensively on on Jesus. And, of course, most of it is not good scholarship at all. I've done a lot of stuff on my platforms refuting Bart Ehrman. But he merely thinks that it was a resuscitation, if you will. Uh, or or, or the- the- theatrical language that was being used. But hmm. It was not literally, obviously, right? Because that would be a miracle, and, and dead people don't rise from the dead, yeah. right? right? That's, that's, that's what they, they believe. Now, when you do, as I was sharing with you earlier, when you do get back to people like Richard Rohr, though, he will say, a lot of people give me you know, pushback because I believe in a resurrection. He's like, but let me clarify what I mean. And he goes on to talk about what he means by Jesus rising from the dead. And again, what it is, it's like uh, every new morning when the sun rises is a resurrection. Uh, Every time a loved one um, seeks forgiveness or or there's peace in the home, that's resurrection. A flower blooming, springtime coming is a sign of resurrection, new things to come. Mm. That's how they not only present resurrection, but that's how they perpetrate it, right? Again, Mm -hmm. that's a hijacking. Okay, to yeah. the text. Yeah. But it's so foundational for us because everything uh, stands or falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, there is no atonement. The Atonement doesn't matter because right. he just died and he never rose again. There is no resurrected body that you and I will have. We will not be delivered from this body of death. There would be no new life. If right. Jesus couldn't conquer sin and death on the cross and the cosmic powers, then he cannot restore the universe that fell into... Oh, and well, it's under its
1: dominion and then we're all wasting our time and every preacher's wasting his time and and you know what are we doing if there's no resurrection everything the church does of value for eternity hinges on the resurrection and now you also have here as your final one hijacking his second coming oh it's not a literal event you know so if he didn't rise again well then he's not returning i mean uh is this going to lead straight to a false Messiah, Jason? What what is? Um, I know we could talk a lot about hijacking his second coming, but um, what I, I would say that this leads right to the false Messiah of the end times.
0: Yeah, because again, it, again, if you strip him of his divinity, you strip him of his authority, mm. so there is no coming King who's going to take back what is rightfully his. Mm. And at the heart of it, this is why it's satanic. Because Satan has tried to take control. He tried to get Jesus to worship him. He tried to say that I have that I can give you the kings if you just do this one thing. Right. He was able right. to do that to Adam and Eve and say, But did God really say do you want to be more like God? If you do if you want to be more like God, that you could partake of this tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm. So this has been his schemes from day one. And so the avenue of progressive Christianity has certainly become an advancement leading into the end times of people perpetuating this false doctrine in the church today. That's why in my subtitle, it's not just hijacking Jesus, but it's taking over his church. Mm-hmm. They are teaching this stuff um, to let people know you don't have to worry about in any given time Jesus is going to return when you see all the parables of Jesus talking about the servants, right? The mm-hmm. wise servant who did his work, who was, you know, investing his talent, taking care and watching over the affairs in the household, of his master's house, and at any given moment, the master can return. They strip all of that out. They strip the all of it discourse out completely. They reject the book of Revelation. They believe Daniel was put into Jewish scriptures, you know, decades or if not hundreds of years later, and we don't even know who the writer was. Mm-hmm. And so, all the eschatology is thrown out. Wow. So they they're not looking for the return of Jesus. So there's no concern right? Yeah. There's no focus. There's no being sober, being vigilant. But for, we, for, for us as biblical Christians, every single day, even as we're doing this interview right now, in this discussion, Mary, we anticipate, we look forward yeah. to our bridegroom to come, who will come and save his church from the wrath that is about to fall upon um, this fallen world. Yeah. And so we look forward to being reunited with him. We look forward to having our resurrected bodies, and we look forward to to ruling and reigning with Christ on earth. No progressive Christian that I've talked to believes that.
1: Wow. Yeah, so much for the blessed hope. I also want to mention social justice and where this fits in, because I think I tend to look at social justice as the good works version of progressive Christianity, because we can't leave out the fact that progressives may or may not support Black Lives Matter or Antifa or Christian Palestinianism or socialism in the various forms thereof. Critical race theory. Um, you know, cultural Marxism, uh, the diversity, the, the equity, all that sort of thing, um, gender issues, feminism, uh, homosexuality, uh, narratives, you know, oppression, uh, all these things are uh, red letter Christians too, Tony Campolo, uh, reparations, social gospel. I mean, I think, um, would you say that that is sort of the good works, um, arm of the progressive church?
0: Yeah, I would even go a step further, and I I have a graph that I put in the book about what are some of the fundamental truths, and I put truths in, like, air quotes, okay, because, again, um, as a postmodern individual, which is built on progressive Christianity, it's really the foundation of progressive Christianity, uh, truth is relative to the individual it's subjective, and you can't really know it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you apply that then into what we're talking about, one of the things you find when, you again, you, you, you believe that God is in the world as, as the world is in God. So God is not a separate supreme being okay. who's immutable or eternal. We are one with God, so we all have divine quality within all of us. That's what a lot of progressive Christians teach. Mm-hmm. If Jesus wasn't anything really special, I mean, he was. He was a manifestation of the self-consciousness of God, whatever that means to them, capital S, spirit, some kind of uh, myopic kind of movement, if you will, in the spiritual realm um that we're that we're kind of uniting to when it comes then to this social gospel like then how do we live? Well you live in the goodness of your heart by renouncing oppressive mm-hmm. behavior, mm-hmm. Right? right? And so social justice thing is not just socialistically advancing things that are good by by removing racism, that sort of things and advancing equality and equity. But at the heart of it, it's the gospel. Mm. To them, the gospel is social justice, mm. and it's, it's based on good works. Yeah. And again, that's oh. contrary to the very theological model of what we see in the Bible. Right. And so when I, when I was doing that chapter on Jesus, the woke teacher that many progressive Christians believe him to be, I showed uh, terminology and how they look at social justice as actual the gospel. And we just said, no, the gospel is the person of Jesus' his death, burial, mm-hmm. and resurrection and ascension. And what he did to deliver us from our sins, they reject that. They don't believe that. Mm-hmm. So so social justice is you activating good works in your heart to mm-hmm. unite human beings together so that your experience combined with my experience, uh, your faith combined with my faith, whatever it is, I could be a Hindu, I could be a Buddhist, I could be nothing, I could just be a spiritual person, whatever. You can take all of that and, and as we advance under the umbrella of anti-racism, for example, and equality, we're moving to the oneness of God eventually. But they don't know what that looks like in the end. It's like nirvana for many of the religious people out there. It's just this blissfulness uh, that we will be be consumed by this oneness. Hmm. And so when you see that outcome ultimately, and you look at what biblical Christianity teaches in the pages of Scripture, then you clearly see that that's a counterfeit.
1: Yeah. Well, this isn't even Dominion theology, which they believe in social justice and progressive politics to make the world just right so Jesus can return. This is beyond that. This is he isn't even going to return. So there's varying degrees of this stuff. Um Jason, I want to just, we only have four minutes left. I can't believe it. Uh, part three, three reinvented images of Jesus, the, the mysticism aspect of it. Uh, was Jesus a Jewish mystic? Well, they wish, because then the contemplative prayer and the ancient desert fathers would have more to say to them than than nothing, which is basically what they have to say to them. Can you just give us a real summary and closing comments on the reinvented images of Jesus within progressive theology?
0: Yeah, real quickly, this is actually, I would say, is a a growing arm within progressive Christianity. Mm. Um, uh, I call it in the book mystical progressive Christianity. Um, And so it's slightly going to be different from some of the perspectives that other progressive Christians or liberal people will have of Jesus. But at the end of the day, um, their view of God is not a personal God who is immutable. It's it's an ever-evolving thing or substance. And again, the pronouns can be anything you want it to be. And mystic is just about you experiencing spiritual things of the fullness of God, whatever God is to you. And that is not what we see in Scripture. Mm -hmm. We see a holy God who spoke things into existence, who's always existed, and there's the difference between creator-sustainer versus human life that exists on earth that is that is contingent on things that exist. That's not what progressive Christians mean. So yes, when it comes to mysticism, they—and the and word undermining is not a favorable term. It is an outright rejection of the very nature of who God is in the Trinity, according to Scripture. And again, once you come from that foundation of rejecting the Trinity— of the Godhead, uh, you are not going to believe in Jesus Christ as fully God and fully man. And therefore, you are not a true follower of Jesus Christ. And so mysticism, I encourage your listeners to really look into that and yeah. be very careful because it also finds itself in certain uh, popular songs today. Uh, a lot hmm. of the modern Christian music today is a lot of it is, uh, fixated uh, and built off of the theology of mysticism. So people have to be very careful in discerning uh, when it comes to the activity of mysticism and Christianity.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. And Jesus did not teach social justice the way the progressive uh, pursuit of that is. And he didn't wink at sin. He was not a revolutionary um, revolutionist. He wasn't a political leader. I know Shane Claiborne uh, thought that Che Guevara was someone we should all look up to in one of his books, which is mind-boggling. You know, uh they're so open-minded, their brains have leaked out, I guess is what I have to say about that. One, just real quickly, Jason, um You know, if if people sense they're in a progressive church, tell them why and how quickly they need to get out.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if at any given time somebody is at a church and they are, again, reinventing Jesus into something that that he's not, according to Scripture, they're rejecting the authority and inspiration and fallibility of Scripture. If they are embracing, again, woke theology Mm -hmm. and life is about being an anti-racist, you know, it's about, you know, making people into oppressors or the oppressed, um, if Jesus is a woke teacher, who embraced all lifestyles and ideas and, and opinions uh, and views, um, and he didn't call out sin, and he was an inclusive, yeah, they need to leave now. Yeah. Now I encourage them in love to stand up and and with with a few other people mm-hmm. who be- believe in the Word of God to to confront um, the people who are espousing such nonsense.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but at the same time, and I've I've had countless conversations. Unfortunately, Mary, where people said they tried to have a conversation and and they were just being made fun of and called a homophobic person.
1: This is Art Lang. Thank you so much, uh, Jason. I so appreciate the research you've done in this book, Hijacking Jesus, How Progressive Christians Are Remaking Him and Taking Over His Church. StandStrongMinistries.org, a podcast, Stand Strong in the Word. The website is great. There are videos and articles if you want to know more about the dangers of progressivism within the church. Uh, and also, Jason has a book on parenting. I'm hoping he'll come back uh, this fall sometime, and we'll talk about that. That's a much-needed subject. Uh, tomorrow, Rebecca Kiesling. Tuesday, Carl Techrib. Also next week, Andy Woods, J.B. Hickson. So we got uh, some meaty subjects coming up. And uh, we thank you for joining us today. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. First Corinthians 15, 58. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a great day on purpose.